Cougs house. The Houston Cougars are officially in the Big 12, ready to play football games this fall. And they're going to be relying on leadership from a place that's used to not getting the credit. Let's jump on in. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, the daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Andrews, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater can't step by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That way we get the latest on the Cougs in your news feed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to the YouTube channel, and it is good to see you again. Remember, we're doing some sort of a giveaway every 250 subscribers. Uh, we are over 1,300 now, approaching that 1,500 mark rapidly so make sure you subscribe down below and then comment and like the video to let us know that you are entered in the contest um now if you have uh thoughts about the big 12 thoughts about college football obviously throw some of those in the chat below if you have thoughts about college basketball even we're getting ready for that too throw that in the chat below if after watching today's video you have no idea what to say in the comments but you want to be in the contest anyway tell us if a corn dog is just a deep fried meat twinkie all right so today's episode we're gonna look at the offensive line group as a whole, after uh, getting to talk to them and Dana Holgerson, some at Big 12 Media Days last week, uh, really, really intriguing answers as far as leadership go. Uh, really, really excited to talk about this stuff today because I think it's a group that gets kind of looked down upon because uh, it's easy to talk about only the things that don't go right as opposed to the things that do go right for an offensive lineman. That's kind of just the life of a lineman. I'm talking too much. Let's hear from Patrick Paul, Jack Freeman, and Dana Holgerson quickly. When people think Houston thinks sexy skill positions and receivers, we sent two offensive linemen here today. What does that say about the offense, the program, et cetera, y'all? I would say that it says, you know, basically that the leaders this year of the team are going to be mostly on the, in the trenches. Uh, so we have three guys from the O-line, D-line from here. So I'd say basically just showing that the veterans on the group are in the O-line and the D-line. Yeah, I mean, like, just like you said, you know, we got two guys here, so should kind of tell you about, you know, our group as an individual whole, you know. So, uh, I mean, we got me, Pat, Tank, uh, Ruben, Tyler, uh, Aiden, Max, new transfers. We got a lot of older guys that have played a lot of, like, a lot of snaps, so we got a lot of experience, and, you know, really excited for this year because, you know, we got person to God, you know, a lot of positive vibes. Uh, the energy is amazing. Uh, you know, he's always t he's always trying to encourage us, you know, never discourage us, you know, so that's the that's the biggest thing. But, you know, when it comes to leadership, you know, me and Pat, we definitely worked really hard to be where we're at. So, um, we definitely really worked really hard to be where we're at. So, you know, this is my sixth year. So, I mean, this is like, it's really surreal for me just being here and being able to represent our team and assuming the same as Pat. Yeah, the, the, you know, Pat and Jack are staples with our offense. They've started for four years. They've been here going on five years now. Um, those guys deserve to be here. You know, they've, they've played a lot of ball. Um, you know, the rest of our team are old and new or young and new, you know, so, uh, you know, I feel good about it. A lot of the young kids that we have coming into the program and some of the 
transfers that we've got that have veteran experience. There ain't two people on offense more deserving to be here in the jacket battle. You know, so those guys are, are loyal. Uh, you know, those guys have been through some things and uh, excited about their last year at the University of Houston. All right. So as I mentioned uh, beforehand, those are all taken from Big 12 Media Days. I put all the clips from all of the things uh, from Big 12 Media Days on the YouTube channel. That link is in the description afterwards. So if you after listen to this episode and go back and listen to every answer and every question that they had to say, go back and check that out as well. Again, that's posted to the YouTube page. You can see uh Again, it was Patrick Paul, it was Hassan Hippolyte, it was Nelson Caesar, it was Jack Freeman, it was Coach Dana Hogerson. But I hope in those quotes you understood uh, a little bit what they're talking about. Each asked some version of the exact same question about how, you know, we don't think of Houston as an offensive lineman's place to be or as a team led by offensive linemen. It's typically a receivers or quarterback kind of situation. I guess they had it all over there for a minute. Right? So it's a defensive alignment. Offensive line is never typically what you think of for Houston leadership and they sent two offensive linemen to big 12 media uh, days. And I think that that is a big, big indicator of the leadership on this team. Remember uh, Pat and Jack and Holgerson were all quick to point out like, look, they've been there a long, long time. This is Jack Freeman's sixth year on campus. And after a turbulent road himself for starting some games as a sophomore, not going to play a whole lot as a junior and back and forth. Right. Um, he can speak to a lot of different angles and lead this team in a lot of different ways. He can talk to the young guys, but making an impact right away. He can talk to the guys on the bench, but being a bench guy right away and playing a role in practice and kind of always having being ready to have your number called and those kinds of things. He can see the light at the end of the tunnel for a guy that maybe wants more reps. He can be a good leader in all of those ways. Patrick Paul can be a good leader for all. I mean, he is, by all accounts, apparently going to be a very, fairly high draft pick this spring if things go right for him this fall. And so he can talk to guys at that kind of talent level, right? About like, listen, you have to always be ready, always be working. You never know who's watching, working through every rep, grinding through every rep, knowing what the kind of thing, how it looks to be a future pro playing at Houston. Patrick Paul can, pl can talk through that to anybody on the roster as well. I think the most telling thing of the three, though, was obviously Coach Dana Holgerson because he, along with the rest of the staff, could have picked any of the captains, any of the team captain types to come and be representative of the program. And he chose Patrick and Jack because of their time spent on campus, their time spent in the program. He mentioned, you know, they got a lot of new guys throughout the entire interview, or the entire questions, I should sit of questions at Media Day. A lot of new guys in this roster. And Jack and Patrick have been here since the start. Jack has been here since before Holgerson was, right? And so this idea that, like, you know, if we're going to be putting our best foot forward and representing our leadership at the Big 12 level, it's going to be these guys. It's going to be Patrick Paul. It's going to be Jack Freeman. And frankly, they were up guys, too. Like, it's going to be Ruben Unige. It's going to be uh, Tank Jenkins. It's going to be these guys that you don't hear the names of a lot because they're not the ones scoring touchdowns and making tackles. And so they might not get the statistics you typically think about in a box score or whatever, but that doesn't mean they're not having a leadership impact or an on the field impact in the way these things go. Um, obviously the offensive line group is the one that has the steepest hill to climb heading into the big 12. It's certainly the biggest change of competition, right? Um, the defensive backs had to cover Rasheed Rice last year at SMU. He's a pro, right? That was a real power five program looking kind of guy, right? They've had those guys across different at different teams. I'm going to go at Tajay Spears, but defense to tackle him. He's a pro, right? Um, frankly, the uh, the offense had to go against Sauce Gardner the year before, right? Sauce Gardner was a like 
top five pick pro, right? Like, like those kinds of guys exist in the American Athletic Conference. The defense linemen that the Houston's going to have to block are fewer and farther between in the American Athletic Conference uh, as far as finding a big 12 caliber guy. And so I am encouraged and I have continued to be encouraged by the way this thing is moving forward for that group. Now, obviously, Cameron Johnson was a big loss in the transfer portal last spring. But I think it's worth pointing out that they only lost one starter. Everyone else should be coming back. And assuming everyone's healthy, right, they ought to be great, especially to pull in like they pulled in Shamar Hobdi Lee, who's a junior transfer from FIU. Um, can he make some contributions? Can he fill in some of those spots as well? Um, I'm also looking some, I'm looking some at Peyton Dunn. I've heard a lot about Peyton Dunn. I'm coming from Louisiana Monroe. I, I think I've heard his name a lot because he's in more of a rotational spot. He's playing a couple different positions along the line. So we'll see where that kinds of things go. Um, and then the last thing I mentioned as far as like guys that are getting some more talking reps, those kind of things. Jalen Garth has all the tools. He is a UT Austin commit originally, 6'5", 305. Um, and then he, he transferred in actually before last season, had to sit out a year because of when he transferred and those kinds of things. Um, that's a group that, as far as like talent goes, the starting group ought to be ready for Big 12 football. It's going to be the, the younger guys or the guys that maybe don't get as many reps, the rotational guys. Are those guys ready? And I think the more we hear from the leadership in front of them, the more confident I am that they will be. But in the second segment, I want to talk some about can you be a leadership group without being the most Big 12 ready or the best on the team? So let's jump into that in one second. But first, Coot House. All right, so it is the summertime. It is baseball season, and it's time to take your first swing at betting on MLB at FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right, just 20 bucks, and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend on betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think hits the first home run and more all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on the MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And right now, they have the Houston Astros tied with the Texas Rangers to win the AL West. Now, as you look at that, we both saw that th- that four-game series where Houston pulled off three in Arlington, beat the Arlington Rangers at their place in their first ever four-game sellout, uh, series sellout, I should say, big-time win there. They further have the Houston Astros at plus 1,000 to win the World Series. Look, we know that odds are in the last six years that they're going to at least get close. If not, that feels like pretty good money, even with all the injuries that they got going on. I'm saying to go to FanDuel. I'm saying to take the Astros when in doubt. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get a $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel an official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, so I do want to talk some about this idea of can a not necessarily Big 12 caliber or maybe not necessarily um, like the most experienced or most talented group. I Most experienced, actually, I would say the offensive line is, but it can the most, not the most talented group be the leader, right? Do you have to be Michael Jordan to lead the Bulls? Do you have to be LeBron James to lead the Cavs? Do you have to be, in more football sense, the starting quarterback to lead the offense? Do you have to be Ray Lewis to lead the defense, et cetera, right? Um, I think it's interesting that Houston's got such great leadership and, frankly, so many great veteran snaps in a Houston – I mean, snap counts – in a Houston Cougar uniform along that offensive line. 
And most people talk about the skill positions. And I think that's an interesting back and forth because I do think the skill positions have a number of pros. We talked before and we'll talk, I'm sure, multiple more times about how the Houston Cougar wide receiver room is one of the best in the country. And Franklin was over underrated in the country. But as far as being leaders in the locker room go or being leaders on the field go, um, I think the offensive line is the only position group you could really say on any football team can be an impactful leadership group without necessarily having the most talent. It'd be really hard for a wide receiver room that was just okay to lead a football team, right? Because wide receivers can kind of schemed out of a football game pretty quickly. If you don't have enough talent, um, you also, if you don't have very talented wide receivers might just not use them a whole lot. You might do something different on offense. Um, and frankly, there's a lot of uh, homogeneity as far as like, a lot of crossover skills if they're all just okay. That's not really Houston's problem. They've got a talented wide receiver room, but you catch my drift. If you just have okay wide receivers, it's hard for them to lead. If you have a quarterback that just kind of shows up and does his job and doesn't do anything spectacularly, it becomes kind of hard for him to be a true leader. Now, I guess they are the guy calling the plays and kind of a de facto coach in the field, so some of the stuff may fall on their shoulders, but also you know that in the end zone, he's going to throw a jump ball and rely on the wide receiver to go get it, or they're going to turn on and hand the ball and rely on the running back to go get it, right? And that's not just like you start looking for leadership in other places, right? Like Trent Dilfer was not the leader of those Baltimore Ravens that won the Super Bowl, right? Frankly, the thing that we don't want to talk about is that Peyton Manning in his second Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos was a lot more like Trent Dilfer. And while he might have had leadership roles vocally on the field, you saw a lot of leadership out of a lot of different positions on that team. And then obviously he had the vocal, the veteran leadership kind of things. And that's the snap kind of gets the offensive line goes. The offensive line, I think, gets to be a leader, even if they don't necessarily have as many future pros or whatever as other position groups because of A, in this instance, how many snaps they have playing collegiate football, division one football, football for Houston football and Dana's offense, et cetera, together. Right. Again, four starters returning is a big, big deal for them. And it would have been five at Cameron, not transferred. So, you know, it's, it's good to have some, some uh, continuity there, but also it's the five fingers that make a fist kind of thing, right? These, the idea that these five guys have to come together to play together. And we only think about or hear about them, as a more casual observer watching the football games when one of them messes up, right? If you're going in for the punch, you only notice any one individual finger if it's sticking out, right? Um, whereas if you pull together like a clenched fist, it's just one solid whop, right? Um, that's what you're looking at with the offensive line. We only think about when, you know, someone gets mixed up on a stunt from the defensive lineman and gives up a sack or a holding call or whatever, right? Um, that's the only time we think about the offensive line making mistakes. They actually rank and last year ranked very well on pro football focus as far as like comparing their statistics and their, um, the percentage of time they're doing the right thing in the right place. There's their scores on pro football focus to other offensive lines across the country. They did very, very well. And I think that that's something we kind of continue to forget, but like Patrick Paul, ranked as high as any higher higher than anyone in the country right he was the second highest ranked pass protector in all of college football last season uh jack freeman was also a very high relative to other centers across college football um and and frankly in the snaps he got to play unage was as well um and i think that you know it'll be interesting to see how those guys translate into a new offense we'll talk about more of that in a second with coach iman yagavi 
but also how that translates into, you know, they've got the tape to show they can do the job. And so when they're leading the locker room or when they're getting guys ready to go to the, through the grueling schedule that is the Big 12 and going from playing, you know, UT Austin one week to playing Texas Tech another week to playing Kansas State another week, to, you know, TCU week three even. And that's not to overlook UTSA necessarily, although it's just a little bit different, right? They got a lot more time to get ready for that one. It's not Big 12, da da da, da right? Um, to see these guys lead in those instances, to be like, listen, you know they put in the work because you can see their body of work behind them. And they also have to have the team, they have that body of work and a team first mentality because they work together on an offensive line. Um, I don't think other position groups get to do that in the same way. Like if you have a Patrick Paul level single linebacker, he sticks out as an individual leader more than a unit does right? The linebackers are not the leaders in that case. Ray Lewis is, right? If you have a Patrick Paul caliber safety, the safety group is not the leadership. Earl Thomas is, right? If you have a Patrick Paul caliber running back, the running back room is not the, you know, leaders of the team. Emmett Smith is, right? Like those kinds of things don't translate exactly the same way. Whereas if you have Patrick Paul in the offensive line, Jack Freeman, the offensive line, Tank Jenkins, the offensive line, Suddenly, it's not like, yes, Tank could be a leader. Yes, Car- uh, yes, uh, uh, Jack Freeman will be a leader. Yes, the younger offensive linemen uh, like Pancake and Carson and those guys will look up to them in a leadership role individually. But as a unit, that t- group leads the offense because it's five guys on the offense working together at all times. That's five out of 11 at any given point in the, in the football game on the offense are all together on the same page. And I think that that's why they get to do that and get to be the leaders that they are moving forward. Um, Now, I say that to say that I do think the wide receiver room is more talented. And I do think that when we look back at this season in January, hopefully like mid-January, that'd be great, right? Um, Get to a January 16th, like look at all those, that'd be great. Um, But when we look back at the 2023 Houston Cougars and the first in the Big 12 in January of 24, we're going to look back and see a football program that was led by an offensive line group, even though the wide receiver room had multiple pros in it, even uh, though, you know, Donovan Smith or Lucas Coley won, or perhaps both have tremendous campaigns, right? Throwing and running the football, uh, you know, a running back room that kind of did running back by committee and had multiple guys showing up, uh, whether that's Campbell or Snead or whomever, right? Whatever. Hopefully, a defense that's much improved, right? A lot of new faces in the back in the back half of that defense. All of that is to say that that does not mean when we look back in January at how talented other parts of this football team are, that this unit, the offensive line unit, did not. That will not mean that they did not lead this team, right? Um, whether it's Jack talking about having led this team for six years, Patrick talking about having led this team at, as one of the most talented guys on the roster, or even Ruben Unige talking about like, listen, I've been around the block. I've been here before, et cetera. Or if you look at, you know, we'll see what we get out of Jalen Garth this year, but Jalen Garth has seen what UT Austin looks like, right? He's seen the big 12 at its uh, most expensive level, right? Like he's seen how those kinds of things look. And I think that that's all going to be something to keep in mind. That doesn't mean I don't have more questions for the offensive line. And so in the third segment, I'll talk some about, what those questions might be. And so let's jump on into that idea of what those questions might be. One, I'm interested to see 
who plays the two guard spots. A big interior offensive line loss in Cameron Johnson, who I alluded to at the top of the show. And I don't mean to say that that's just going to be forgotten, right? He is a very, very talented kid and may be a pro in his own right one day. How does Houston replace that spot, right? Um, that's, I think, something we've got to start off the top because that's a very, like, depth chart roster, you know, crux of the team kind of thing. And we'll see the answer to that fairly quickly, I think. The other hmm, the other big question I have is, what does Nagavi's offense look like with Dana Holgerson's principles molded together? Dana himself mentioned, and we'll talk more about him throughout the week, um, Dana himself mentioned at Big 12 Media Days that, if anything, of the old air raid guys, he's probably moved away from the air raid the most, talking about things that he and his program do that are a little bit different. He focuses on the run game a little bit more. You've seen that. Uh, you saw that a couple years back with Alton McCaskill. You saw that s- through stretches last year as well. Frankly, I wanted to see more quarterback run game last year, but we'll see what they do this year with it. Um, so that is to say that there was a lot of, if you get the you know, nitty gritty on it, a lot of 10 personnel run game and air raid principled offense with running, you know, uh, not snap counts, but like like running uh, emphasis or uh, emphasis on the run game for an air raid offense, but still has the field spread out. Nigavi comes in with a little bit different kind of system. He likes running more eleven personnel, which you know means a little bit more tight end play, a little bit more big receiver play. You'll sometimes even see Nigavi do more twelve stuff, which means a running back and two tight end fullback types. So does Manjack become a guy that can do a little bit of both as a big wide receiver? We'll see, but. And doing all of that, right, while we know that Nagavi will transition the offense into something new in that sense, and Nagavi will have his own sprinkles and twists and turns on the offense that way, what does the offensive line look like as they adjust to that? Because I mentioned Patrick Paul was the second highest rated pass blocker in all of college football last season. How does that translate to being a great run blocker and a more run-heavy offense this season, he mentioned in Big 12 Media Days that he has been working on his hips, his leverage, his body. He's ready for it. But what does that look like for a 6'7", 315 guy that did such a great job keeping guys off of Clayton Dune for the last four years? Right? We'll see. And we'll be following it all season long here at Locked on Cougs. Make sure you subscribe down below. Get the latest Houston Cougars each and every day. Appreciate you making Locked on Cougs your first listen today for a second listen. It's summer league. The Houston Rockets are balling. Uh, Cam Whitmore's a ton of fun. Go check out Jackson Gatlin Locked On Rockets. It's a big, big fun time for the Houston Rockets. Make sure you check them out. Locked On Kooks is a proud Locked On Podcast Network. That means your team every day. Go Kooks.